This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. I'm going to start by giving the numbers out again. I'm sure a lot of you have something to say about the election in France. Are we seeing this uh, resurgence or uh, a rise of so-called populism? Uh, The far-right candidate, Marine Le Pen, is going to be participating in the runoff. It it looks like... um, It's part of a worldwide trend. It could lead to the end of the EU. I know a lot of you have some thoughts on that. But also, uh, after we we discuss this, we are going to be returning to the question of pharmacare. And I'd like to know if that's going to influence your vote. Uh, If you're over 65, I'd like to know if you're happy with the coverage you have now. Do you think it could be better? So uh, take down those numbers. 416-360-0740, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And as we said, this is a European election that will have a huge impact around the world. The first round took place yesterday, delivered a sharp rebuke to traditional parties. The biggest winner was newcomer centrist Emmanuel Macron. He and far-right populist Marine Le Pen advanced to a runoff in France, and that is setting up a showdown over participation in the European Union. And of course, if France leaves the European Union, uh, unlikely that there would be a European Union left. So what does this mean to us and what do you think about it? Let's go to U of T political science professor Randall Hansen. Hello, Randall. Hi, how are you? Fine, how are you? Very well, thank you. First of all, were there any surprises? No, there were no surprises, actually. The results tracked almost perfectly the public opinion polls leading up to the first ballot and indeed this election has given us new faith in public opinion polls we seem they seem to be very reliable after unreliable after brexit and Trump, but they were certainly reliable here. That's uh, that's interesting. I was just going to say uh, that's something we haven't seen for a while. Do you think that has anything to do uh, that is particular to France, perhaps people more willing uh, to say what they really think when a pollster talks to them? (laughs) Well, the last comment is interesting because we've seen a certain French honestness in other opinion polls, so that might be part of the story. But let's bear in mind, the other polls weren't as radically off as we seem to pretend they were. They were always very, very close, and indeed, in the case of Hillary versus Trump, narrowing in the last days. So the last points were almost within the margin of error, you know, three to five points. Uh, These ones were were bang on. But I think we we would need a much more granular study to see what went right in in France. We're speculating for the moment. Now, there are some people who think that uh, they were surprised that Marine Le Pen did not actually do better than she did. Uh, Yes. Some polls a year and a half ago or so were suggesting about 30 percent. There was a fairly wide expectation that she would uh, lead in the first ballot. She came in not only second, uh, but but the gap between uh, her and Macron 
is greater than the gap between Le Pen and Fillon, the, the right-wing candidate just behind her, center-right candidate just behind her. So I'm actually skeptical of this premise that we're recycling, that this was further evidence of populism within Europe. In fact, it was a rejection of populism. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you see it perhaps as a rejection of uh, leaving the EU? Oh, or to put it another way, an embrace of remaining within the EU. Absolutely. I mean, she the only two anti-EU candidates there were Le Pen and Mélenchon, the far-left candidate, and the, together they got 40% of the vote, but a clear, clear minority. And let's not forget that Marine Le Pen herself had already backed away from the strong version of her promise to leave the EU. So the sort of Breitbart version of this, which was that this election was a referendum on the EU, is just nonsense, as is most things that come out of Breitbart. Okay, well, we know where you stand on that. I bet we have some listeners uh, who disagree. Again, the number is 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. We're talking about the French election, and we will shortly be returning to the subject of pharmacare. Uh, now, Professor Hansen, uh, uh, what does this mean for us? Uh, in in Canada? Yep. Well, not not a massive amount if it plays out the way we expect. Um, unless something goes disastrously wrong, it's hard to see how she could make up a what appears to be in the polls about a 25% gap. Uh, Macron is going to become president. Uh, he's he's very pro-European. He's very small L liberal, so substantially agrees with Canada and Canadians on rights of minorities, uh, immigration, rights of sexual minorities, is broadly speaking as free tr- pro-free trade as any French president will ever be, which is good for Canada as a, a trading nation. So I think uh, Macron will, will be a a good friend to this country. I think after Brexit, what what is important generally is that this country reorientates itself away from the United Kingdom and looks to Paris, with whom with which we have obviously long historical links, but also to to Berlin. So that's the big change. But that's actually more about what happened in in the UK than what's happening in France. Really? So uh, you think that we should uh, orient ourselves away from the UK? I mean, we have, uh, you know, uh, we share roots with the UK and a long-standing association, well, obviously. That, that language was a bit sloppy. In a sense, we should almost strengthen our relationship with the UK now that they're looking for friends outside the European Union. But we should also recognize that... Uh, the British have, have scored an extraordinary own goal here. They're going to matter less in the world. They're going to be poorer than they were. And they won't have the same geopolitical reach that they had as part of the European Union. So we need to, whilst maintaining or even expanding our links with the UK, expand them further with those countries that are in the EU, France and Germany. Uh, well, Donald Trump uh, basically endorsed Marine Le Pen. Uh, what do you make of that whole connection? Well, it was appalling and disgusting, and let's let's focus a little bit on what happened. He endorsed a far-right candidate, an avowed racist, and someone who just said— Well, she, she's backed off a lot of her uh, racist uh, ideology. Uh, which is part of the 40 percent. She moderated her message, but we saw her message hardening again in the run-up to the uh, first ballot as her poll numbers were 
declining. There is no question that the Front National is a racist party. There's simply no doubt about that. And what's even clearer, or equally clear, is that she said France is not responsible for the deportation of French Jews during World War II. An utterly historically wrong but disgusting comment. So Trump's endorsement of her says a great deal about him, which is effectively the far right is in the presidency in the in the presidency of the United States. Well, uh, maybe losing ground if you believe what you read. Uh, that oh, yeah, uh, we're, we're stuck with him for a few years. That well, Bannon is going to be out, mm. and more moderate people are in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, assuming that this plays out in the way that it looks like it's going to play out. Uh, do, do you see this possibly as uh, the end kind of of a certain chapter or are we going to see more? I mean, these problems uh, aren't going away. You have a huge number of migrants in Europe. You have uh, people who are upset about, you know, people from other countries who come and work. And, uh, you know, I'm not talking about migrants, but talking about people from other parts of Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you see, uh, uh, you know, a Macron victory as an end to all of that? Well, it, de- it really depends on what comes afterwards. I mean, one could hope that we've seen the high tide of populism and that the results in the Netherlands, in Austria, in France, and Germany is definitely going to vote for a center-right or a center-left chancellor, that that marks the end. But it depends what they do. I mean, if they don't make any changes, then that portion of the populist vote, which is, and there is that portion, there's no doubt, that is, not, that is not racist, but is driven by economic frustration, disappointment, inequality, that's going to re- remain. And what I've said publicly on this is we have to see where we can meet the populist electorate. We can't meet them on the misogyny, we can't meet them on the racism, we can't meet them on the homophobia, but we can talk to them about inequality, we can talk to them about security. I mean, well, this guy, Macron, is a, he's an investment banker, isn't he? I mean, I don't think that uh, inequality is, is something that he could easily stand for. But working, being an investment banker in, in Paris is very different from being one in New York City, and he was also a member of, of, of the Socialist Party. I see there's no, it's, it's nonsense that there's a contradiction between being a free marketeer and someone who actually has run a major company and being worried about equality. I mean, Brian Mulroney in the 1980s was a moderate pro-business prime minister. I think we'll have to see what Macron does, but his biography doesn't preclude him from from doing that. Uh, but whether this is true or not, the point is it needs to be done. And though I'm a great fan of Angela Merkel, we have to accept that under her watch, things have gotten much, much worse in Europe, and Berlin is going to have to make some changes here. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of people say that she's in trouble. Oh, well, she, you know, she might be. Uh, my guess is she'll still, she'll still squeak through and win the election, but she's facing a serious challenger. But whoever becomes chancellor in Germany has to accept that this, this narrative of austerity, punishment, saving, cutting back, a, a, a Europe that is only about punitive restrictions and a Europe without hope, that this is not appealing to a substantial element in the European electorate. And that's no great surprise, frankly. Uh, while we have you on the line, we're talking mm-hmm. about the European Union. What about Turkey? Uh, I mean, Turkey, uh, they they have just given their uh, president... Uh, 
far greater powers. Um, you know, some people would say that he's practically a dictator at the moment. It's a it's a fairly repressive Islamist government. Uh, there's a lot of opposition to it. Where does that stand? Well, I mean, we can stick a fork in Turkish democracy. It's it's done. Um, unless the street po- uh, the street protests manage to bring. Uh, Erdogan down, which is extremely unlikely. Uh, Turkish mo- democracy is is dead mm-hmm. um, since the coup. There have been a, the sacking, as you know, of huge numbers of professors, the arrests of journalists, uh, of ju- judges. Uh, Erdogan is establishing a a dictatorship, and it's going to be very, very hard to stop him. Okay, uh, that is all the time we have for now. Randall Hansen, thanks so much. Good to talk to you. Take care. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.